you're not the boss of me now and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today we're talking about Hal's Dentist, which originally aired March 26th, 2006, was directed by Steve Love and written by Jay Kogan. Hi, I'm Jake, and I haven't been on a real podcast in years. And I'm David, and do you supply the ether rig, or should I bring my own? <laughs> Perfect. And uh, we don't have a uh, community segment for you this week. Yeah, Jake. Okay. Ah. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's, because we, it's because we were sick. <laughs> Which is your fault. Oh, it's not. Yeah, it is. You got sick first. You got me sick. I don't think we can prove that. (laughs) The fuck? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Welcome back, Jake. (laughs) Fuck you. Wow, so harsh. This is what I have to put up with, guys. He gets me sick, knocks me out for two weeks, and then and then treats me like this when I try to return to you all. <laughs> this isn't even our return episode. Fuck you, David. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting into the episode. We uh, have a cold open, as usual. And this one uh, starts with uh, Lois lecturing someone off-screen about how they invited their friend over to play. They can't just change their mind now that he's here. (laughs) Uh, And then the uh, camera zooms out to show that she is talking to Hal, who's, like, laying on the couch reading a magazine, who, like, very poutily, like, throws the magazine down and says, fine, and goes to answer the door to let his friend Ryan in. Like, very grumpily uh, asking if he wants a beer. (laughs) (laughs) then getting into the episode proper uh we have a couple of sort of side plots to cover and i think we are going to start with the reese and lois centered one okay which i think you have named the j for jake plot (laughs) (laughs) almost almost (laughs) almost it did cross my mind (laughs) Uh, and for the exact reason you're thinking, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but as much fun as it would have been to, uh, you know, make fun of you and your inability to ride a bicycle, I, I did not go with that as the name for this. Um, it was... Oh, that's right. I remember. The bicycle is a good invention. It's the TBIAGI plotline. <laughs> is that a reference to something? <laughs> Yeah, it's a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Okay, okay. (laughs) It would have been so much funnier to me if it wasn't. (laughs) Uh, That would have been great, but no, yeah, I would not have come up with that on my own. (laughs) Okay, okay. Fair enough. Well, I'm not familiar with that Red Hot Chili Peppers song. (laughs) It's the Bicycle Song by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, You know... Now that I think about it, all three of these plot lines could be the J for Jake plot. These they, are all weirdly relatable to me. They are so you, and it's weird. <laughs> but uh, this plot line, sort of the other plot line as well, start with the boys uh, like out walking with their backpacks and stuff, talking about how bored they are. And then the uh, like Reese is talking about how, you know, 
It almost seems like uh, skipping school is a bad idea. <laughs> and uh, Malcolm says that even talking about being bored is getting boring. But <laughs> they find something along the way to entertain themselves, or at least Reese does, as he finds a dead squirrel. <laughs> and he's immediately excited, but Dewey and Malcolm are much uh, less interested. Dewey immediately says, I'm out. And Malcolm says, yeah, it seems like a good idea now, but we all know that it's just going to end up in the closet with all the rest. <laughs> I am very disturbed by that sentence. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, the... They have referenced this as, like, an exciting thing before. Yeah. Of finding dead squirrels. <laughs> like, they're super into it. Although, apparently, Malcolm and Dewey have outgrown it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> then, uh, Malcolm and Dewey go off on their own, leaving Reese to his dead squirrel, which is sort of where their side plot splits off. And now alone, Reese... Uh, is walking past an alley, and he sees Lois, uh, like, trying and failing to get on a bike. And when she sees him, uh, she, like, starts to tell him, you know, you're supposed to be in school, you're in so much trouble, but Reese just shakes his head and says, I don't think so. You're in an alley, alone, trying to get on a bike. Uh, I can smell the shame. I can always smell shame. It's like rotten coconut. <laughs> yes. Dude, that... Uh, I'm going to use that from now on. Like, I I love that so much. <laughs> Fair. It is great. <laughs> then Lois, like, explains what she's doing there, that there is this, like, uh, charity thing at her work, a bike-a-thon, because someone at... Uh, some idiot at her work was complaining that their company doesn't do enough for charity. And Reese says, uh, well, why don't you just skip it? And she says, because I'm the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and she reveals that she doesn't know how to ride a bike. <laughs> Which is why I thought you may have named this the J-plot. Uh, growing up, I did not know how to ride a bike. Or now. I did eventually learn when mm. I was 16 and refusing to learn how to drive a car. <laughs> Allegedly. I haven't done it since. <laughs> I've but... I've not seen it. I've not seen it, guys. So I don't. I don't. Mm. He allegedly knows how. That is fair. I've only done it once, and despite the you know famous, it's like riding a bicycle thing. I do worry I don't won't remember how if I tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's you know, been over a decade. <laughs> I. You know. I like that you're trying to save face here, Jake, but it's okay that you never learned to ride a bike, man. But, uh... <laughs> See how he when... just tries to move past it? That's how you know I'm right. <laughs> I don't... I don't... <laughs> <care>. <laughs> this isn't, like, a point of shame for me. But uh, Reese, of course, is very pleased to learn this and starts to, like, loudly announce to anyone who might be in earshot that, hey, my mom doesn't know how, and then Lois tackles him to the ground. <laughs> and we get, like, a uh, close-up of Reese's face, which is, like, right next to a broken beer bottle. <laughs> As Lois, like, holds him down and, like, explains to him 
that her dad didn't believe in train wheels. Uh, he just tied her to a bike and pushed her down a hill. <laughs> when she came back up the hill with only three teeth left, he pushed her down again. <laughs> After that, she just told everyone that she could ride a bike. She's been living with this lie ever since. <laughs> And she threatens to kill Reese if he ever tells anyone. <laughs> and uh, Reese uh, agrees to keep her secret and also says that, you know, if she lets him up, he can help her learn. He knows how to ride a bike. And they, like, get up and uh, Reese, like, uh, reassures her that her secret is safe. And as a man, like, starts to walk by, he loudly tells Lois... Listen, lady, I'm not interested in your drugs. <laughs> and gives her a wink. <laughs> nice cover, Reese. Good job, buddy. <laughs> Nailed it. Then <laughs> uh, we see the start of Reese teaching her. As Reese, like, does a bunch of bike trips. He, like, jumps off a ramp and then is, like, a bunny hopping and doing a wheelie. And then he, like, stops and turns to Lois and says, just do that. <laughs> I, I do love how he's just like, yeah, that was easy. Now now go. Exactly. Uh, I've had instructors like that in martial arts, and it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Break it down. Poor Lois. But Lois says that, you know, she can't do that, that she can't even ride because she's afraid. And Reese says that he used to be afraid of a lot of things. Thunder, frogs, mailboxes. And uh, when Lois says, you were afraid of mailboxes? He says, yeah, I used to worry that if I stuck my hand in them, the lid would snap shut and tear my arm off. But I got over it by uh, ripping the lid off of every single mailbox on our block. I turned that fear into hate. Which explains a lot about Reese. It really does. <laughs> and uh, Reese tells her to, you know, do the same thing, to turn her hate against the bike. But Lois says she just doesn't have any hate in her. And Reese says, oh, it's in there. We just have to bring it out. Uh, what about work? And she says, ah, surprisingly, no. He says, well, you must hate your life. I mean, your best years are behind you. And they weren't even that good. <laughs> and Lois says, no, I don't hate my life. And Ray says, well, what about all the things I've done to you? Like baking your shoes or breaking your wedding china. Or that time I sold tickets to fifth graders to watch you shower. And that does, in fact, bring out Lois's hate. <laughs> she yells, what? I mean, fair. And Reese says, there it is. Use that. Turn that hate to the bike. And... Uh, Lois does finally manage to get on the bike, and it, like, cuts to a POV shot from her perspective, uh, which is, like, a, like, shaky cam that's, like, really high up, like, looking down on Reese to, like, convey her, like, panicked state as she, like, almost immediately, like, uh, grabs onto Reese and, like, holds him tight, uh, and, like, yells for him not to let her fall. And Reese says, okay, I think that's enough for today. Then we see Reese, like, lying to Malcolm and Dewey as they all come into the room together. As he tells them that uh, he's been going to the library with Lois. Uh, just, you know, going and doing library stuff. 
I like that he doesn't even know, like, what happens in a library enough to lie about it. Yes, and then to further solidify that this is a terrible lie, uh, he, like, goes over to the closet and asks, uh, Hey, does anyone know where the bicycle pump is? <laughs> then, uh, at the dinner table, we see, uh, like, Lois has a piece of cake, uh, no, like no one else does, and Reese uh, asks Lois how her uh, bike-a-thon is going for work. Like, right in front of everyone. And she says that it's going good, and she's really excited. And Reese asks, uh, oh, really? How long have you been riding a bike? And Lois says, long enough. <laughs> then uh, Reese says, uh, you know, he really wants another piece of cake. And Lois says, well, there isn't any. And he says, there's the one in front of you. What a jerk. And then he says, uh, uh, or, you know, I could just keep talking. What is it we were talking about? Oh, right, your bike riding. And Lois, like, sighs and pushes the cake over to Reese. God. <sighs> then Reese, <laughs> Reese uh, goes into Lois's room and is, you know, uh, telling her uh, that today they are going to break her 12-inch distant record they set yesterday. <laughs> but Lois says, you know, she can't do it. She's giving up. It's just too hard. And... Uh, Reese says that, you know, oh, I, I, I understand when it gets tough, you just throw in the towel on your dreams and uh, lower your expectations. And he says, I don't care. I had my fun. If you want to give up, you give up. And Lois, like, taking this as, you know, like a motivational tactic, says, okay, fine, let's go do it. And, like, marches out. But Reese says, what? No. I was telling you to quit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was saying give up. <laughs> but uh, we then follow them to the park where Reese, like, reassures her, you know, that uh, he's here to help her, that she can do this. And, in fact, Lois does finally start to, like, very wobbly, uh, like, ride the bike. And she, like, starts cheering and celebrating that she's doing it. And Reese... Also riding a, a bike starts, like, barreling towards her, yelling out to her to, you know, try to go slow. He's going to ram into her to show her that falling off isn't that bad. It's the only way. <laughs> <laughs> and Lois, like, tries to tell him, you know, he doesn't need to do that. She's doing it. But it is too late as Reese slams into her, and they both go flying off their bikes, and... Lois, like, lands in some grass and is fine, while Reese, like, goes flying in the air and lands directly on the handlebars of his bike. And Lois, like, gets up and, like, uh, starts riding away, like, calling out behind her, Thanks, Reese! <laughs> that did help! While Reese just lays there holding his groin and, like, whimpers, Mommy. Which, uh, this part also very relatable. It's the reason I never learned to ride a bike as a kid. It's the first time I did. I ran into a parked car, like, fell backwards directly on my head, like, completely cracking my helmet in half. And the bike, like, launched into the air and then landed wheel first on a still spinning wheel directly into my balls. Oh, I forgot about that story because that was one of the few times you crashed that I wasn't there for. <laughs> that, that was the crash that made me decide, you know what? I don't need to learn to ride a bike. 
that's fair because I think you tried because I remember you crashing like almost into a bush and your dad had to catch you. Was that before or after that one? Uh, that was before. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had like normal like lowest landing in the grass crashes before that that weren't like terrible. Right. That was the one where I was like, "Fuck this! <laughs> that that hurts so bad." Fair enough. <laughs> like. Aside from the time I had mumps, the most painful experience of my life. Fair enough. That's a pretty shitty bike experience still. <laughs> was not great. Do not recommend. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, but from there, we will go to the Malcolm and Dewey-centered plot line, which I'm going to say you called the T-plot for Tempur-Pedic. Uh, that's, a, that's a good guess. But it's actually the H plot for hypersomnia. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Um, but T plot for Tempurpedic is very good. I just legitimately, like, my brain was not functioning because I did try to make, like, a pun off of, like, Serta. But for whatever reason, that was the only brand of fucking mattress I could remember the fucking name of, of when I was naming the plot lines. And. I just couldn't get it done. So then I was like, all right, well, I remember science, so. Fair enough. But uh, this plot line, like I said, this, like, splits off from the Reese plotline as Malcolm and Dewey leave him with the dead squirrel. And they end up just, like, sitting on a curb, uh, like, still bored. And Malcolm says, man, I always thought it was Reese holding us back. <laughs> and Dewey suggests that, you know, maybe we should go back and check on the squirrel. But Malcolm says, ah, if I know Reese, all the good parts are gone by now. <laughs> Which raises the question, what are the good parts of a dead squirrel? Right. And what is Reese doing with them? I had the exact same thought, Jake. <laughs> I, and then I was like, I don't, I don't know that I want to ask. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned some questions just don't need answers. <laughs> <laughs> and Malcolm, like, sighs and says, nothing exciting ever happens to us. And on cue, a mattress falls from the sky directly in front of them. Yeah, I'm really starting to question where this mattress came from. <laughs> uh, this has happened. I, I, I thought this was going to be my, like, lock-in... For uh, my OK Boomer award, because I assumed it was a reference to the, like, the actual thing happening. But, like, a mattress did fall out of a plane, like, out of a cargo plane uh, in New York and, like, almost killed someone. Holy shit. But that happened, like, six years after this episode. <laughs> like, I remember that news story and was like, oh, I bet they're referencing that. Nope. Damn. Huh. That's wild, man. That's wild. But uh, they, like, stare at this mattress, and Dewey just says, Huh, even our miracles are boring. <laughs> Poor Dewey, but I feel that. <laughs> but they, like, walk over to it and are inspecting it, and uh, Dewey, you know, asks where it came from, and Malcolm says it must have fallen out of a plane. And they realize that this must be a new mattress. Or at least it's what Dewey imagines a new mattress would look like. <laughs> they start, like, pointing out, like, uh, going back and forth, saying, No lumps. No weird stains. No springs sticking out. And then they both look and, like, simultaneously say, It's got tags! <laughs> and 
they sit on it and are like commenting on how comfortable it is with Malcolm saying he's an ass heaven, which was almost my intro line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Phrasing? Are we still doing phrasing? (laughs) And... Uh, Dewey says, you know, I bet this thing's worth some money, and they start debating whether they should keep it or sell it. And as they're thinking about it, they both, like, lay down and immediately fall asleep (laughs) as it just cuts to them still laying on the bed, but it's dark out now, and a car, like, slams on its brakes and honks at them (laughs) as they've just been sleeping in the middle of the road on this mattress. (laughs) And that wakes them up, and Malcolm, like, sits up and says... Oh, we must have fallen asleep. And Dewey says, no, that wasn't sleep. Sleep makes you feel like you've been beat up. (laughs) That is so relatable. (laughs) And Malcolm uh, says, okay, we're keeping this thing. (laughs) And they like start to pick it up and haul it away. Dude, this episode, I feel a little called out. I need to buy a new mattress. Fair. Uh, I have never owned... A brand new mattress. Every mattress I've ever owned has been used. Like, th- my, my, my current mattress is the closest I've ever had, and it was, like, the mattress from my sister's guest room. Yeah. I think until my wife and I bought the most recent one, that's also true for me. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because, uh, yeah, kind of same deal. We had, uh, I was just thinking the ones that we got, like... God, we're so redneck and ghetto. Because uh, even the <laughs> even the ones that we got given as like a wedding gift were just like that. You know, um, they came out of her mom's friend's guest room. Right. Like they'd only ever been slept on like three or four times ever. Right. And it was like years before we got them. But still, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that sounds right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have for sure had beds with lumps and exposed springs in the past (laughs) oh bro those are but that was kind of like one of my best beds though like that shit was like you could only lay in one spot but it was the most comfortable spot (laughs) i'm just saying (laughs) listen when you grow up poor all right (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck (laughs) yeah especially being the youngest uh, of like a big family, like, all of my beds growing up were, like, not even secondhand. They were, like, fifth hand. <laughs> Dude, fuck you. The baby in our family got all the good shit. I got I got the hand-me-downs. And then it was, uh, he's still using them, so we'll buy her a new one. Yeah, it did not work that way for me, at least in that regard. <laughs> That's because you were young enough from the others that they got upgraded. Yeah, that that's true. It's because there's, like, a six-year gap between me and my, like, closest sibling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little bastard. <laughs> but, uh, getting back to the episode. <laughs> uh, we see Malcolm and Dewey waking up from their, uh, first night sleeping on the new mattress, and they are both, like, super happy with, like, giant smiles on their face, and Malcolm says that he's so glad they got the 600 thread count sheets, because anything else would have been an insult to this mattress. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, uh, asked Dewey, uh, what are you gonna do with all this extra energy? <laughs> and Dewey says, uh, 
five more minutes of sleep? And Malcolm says, that's a great idea. And they both go back to sleep. That is the most you sentence I've ever heard in my fucking life. Fair. D- despite all the parallels that we've talked about in, like, the early seasons of, like, the, you know, gifted program stuff and, like, the, you know, similar family dynamic, this is the single most I've ever related to, to Malcolm in the show is this episode. Yeah, dude, he's just, <laughs> he's just fucking like you in this. To yes. a creepy degree. Uh, sleeping is the best, day. <laughs> no. It's so no, good. Jake. No, it's not. But uh, let, let, let's let's keep going forward because there's another there, there's other very specific Malcolm moments that are very relatable. Uh, I can only imagine. To get to. But uh, then going back to that scene where Reese is lying about, you know, going to the library with Lois. Uh, the reason he gets away with his very shitty lie is that when he like turns around to ask if anyone knows where the bike pump is, Malcolm and Dewey have both walked into the room immediately laying down and falling asleep. <laughs> Uh-huh. Sounds <laughs> familiar. <laughs> then at the dinner table, when, uh, you know, Reese is blackmailing Lois to get her cake, uh, Malcolm and Dewey are complaining about how uncomfortable the chairs are. Yeah, they really weren't thinking about their ass when they designed those. They sure weren't. Then uh, Dewey comes into the room, uh, like, loudly slamming the door while Malcolm is sleeping. And it wakes Malcolm up, and he, like, complains, saying, uh, You know the rule, Dewey. The only sound that's allowed in this room is snoring. <laughs> but uh, Dewey complains that he missed seeing uh, Conrad Horner play uh, because he overslept, and he's been, like, waiting years to see this guy play, and he missed it because of this mattress. But Malcolm says... Now, just wait a few years. He'll be back. And Dewey says, he's 98. <laughs> he got that soon enough to pick a program off the the floor and see his ambulance driving away. Oh, that's so dark. And Malcolm says, uh, well, you know what would help? Sleep. Sleep helps everything. <laughs> then he, like, lays back and says that he was dreaming about sleeping in this bed, which... <laughs> Is a frequent dream that I have. That's just me going to sleep. (laughs) I knew that's where this was going. (laughs) And it is like the most restful sleep every time. (laughs) It's so good. You are so weird, dude. (laughs) You are just... You like sleeping way too much, man. I disagree. (laughs) I know you do, but you're still just dead wrong, buddy. Well, Dewey would agree with you. I know, because you're wasting your life away. <laughs> he, he tells Malcolm that they're sleeping too much. Do you even know what day it is? <laughs> and Malcolm just says, I don't even know what year it is. <laughs> God, which you have said to me before when trying to wake you up, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate how proud of that you are. <laughs> But uh, Dewey says, don't you have a big test tomorrow you should be studying for? This could affect college. It could affect your future. But Malcolm, (laughs) in another very relatable moment with a line that I've definitely used before (laughs) in real life, uh, says, I'm pursuing my dreams much more directly. (laughs) God. Fucking middle school Jake all over again. Oh, 
forget middle school. I like regularly told my my roommate in college this line, like <laughs> referencing this <laughs> when he was trying to get me to wake up to do stuff. <laughs> And Dewey asks if, you know, this is his plan to just sleep through the rest of his life. And Malcolm says uh, he'll leave his mark on the world in the memory coils of the mattress. (laughs) Dewey says that the bed is evil. It's draining his soul. But Malcolm has fallen asleep (laughs) and it starts to snore. (laughs) Then Malcolm wakes up complaining about his back hurting and he like... Uh, looks around confused as he is laying on their old, lumpy, stained, shitty mattress. And Dewey-like walks over and says, Oh, you're finally awake. We were worried about you. And Malcolm, like, looks around and asks, Where did the new mattress go? And Dewey gaslights him, saying, What new mattress? And Malcolm says, The new mattress. It was, uh, white and new And it fell from the sky, and Dewey just, like, stares him down and says, Oh, was it just the mattress, or was there a beanstalk, too? (laughs) And Malcolm says, "Uh, Maybe it was a dream. And Dewey says, Malcolm, you were happy. Of course it was a dream. (laughs) And that wraps that plotline up, leaving only the titular Hal-centric plotline. And I have no idea what you called. Yeah, I figured you might not. Because this one was difficult for me to name. So if you'd have been like, I, and be able to like guess it closely, I'd have, I'd have been mad. Fair. I'm going to say, uh, you called this the TC plot for temporary crown. You know what, Jake? Pretty close. But you see. Uh, a good plotline name has to encompass everything in the plotline. So this is the RC for the Royal Crown. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you know what, David? I like that. That's clever. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. And it starts on poker night uh, as the usual poker crew is gathered. And Hal is wearing sunglasses, which Abe, like, immediately says makes him look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of do. He's wearing aviators inside at night. But Hal says he's been reading a book about poker tells, and his eyes have been giving him away. (laughs) And he, like, uh, picks up his hand and, like, looks at his cards and squeaks. And as soon as he does, everyone folds. (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, they bring out a bowl of fiddle-faddle, which Abe is very excited about. Like, he immediately grabs a giant handful, explaining that uh, Kitty has him on, like, an extreme diet. <laughs> and they, like, start discussing it as uh, one of them points out, you know, that uh, that's not fiddle-faddle. And <laughs> the guy who brought it out explains that uh, he makes his own at home. That, uh, you know, he just pops the popcorn and then brushes it with caramel and then double-bakes it. It takes an entire weekend, but it saves you 74 cents a batch. <laughs> God. <laughs> also, by the way, I'd never heard that shit called Fiddle Faddle until literally like a week ago. I really? guess it was a little longer than that. And then somebody at work was like, "Fiddle, you want some Fiddle Faddle? And I was like, I don't think you can ask me that legally. And they went, it's popcorn. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I've always heard it referred to as. I've never heard that before. Huh. 
Yeah. What 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 did you hear it called then? Nothing. It didn't have a name. It was just caramel popcorn. Well, right, but it's not just caramel popcorn. It's like yeah, it's got like shit put in there yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had a special it's, name. It's Fiddle No. <laughs> well, now you do, David. Now you know the name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once again, uh, Hal. As soon as he, like, raises a dollar, he once again squeaks in the exact same way he did before, and everyone folds again. <laughs> then Hal, like, uh, tries to eat a piece of fiddle faddle, and he breaks his tooth on it. And Trey, who is the dentist in the group, uh, like, takes a look at it. He, like, pulls out, like, a little flashlight and, uh, like, looks in Hal's mouth for him. And he tells him that the tooth is cracked. And Hal asks, uh, is it important? And he says, well, just for eating and talking. <laughs> and Hal complains that uh, his company doesn't have a dental plan anymore. <laughs> they bought them a foosball table instead. And, that sounds right. <laughs> when they ask him, you know, where he's been going for uh, dental work then, he says he's been going to the uh, dental college. And he says, it's not so bad. They do make you sign a death waiver, though. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, the, the, the last, like, three times I have been to a dentist have been, like, free at a dental college. Oh, Jake. Dentist. <laughs> Which, they did have, not a death waiver, but they did have, like, a, if the students fuck this up, you can't see us waiver. So, like, to be fair, it wasn't for anything, like, major. It was just, like, teeth cleaning and, like, uh, filling, but Jake. still. What? No. <laughs> Dentists are expensive, David. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shit, I got insurance and they're expensive, but uh, your teeth matter, Jake. Even yeah, yours. It went fine. <laughs> I don't have now. any problems. Yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> like I said, all of these plot lines are very relatable to me. <laughs> God, I did not know that. Yep. Oh, dude, it. I hit, mm, no, dental stuff and, and messing around with that stuff just gives me the heebie-jeebie. <laughs> I don't mind going to the dentist, but, like, I could never be a dentist. Because, like, the, uh, the man, watching some videos of, like, some of the shit that happens to people's, like, mouths and shit, and the way, like, certain infections look, and, no. Mm -mm. Uh, fair enough. I, I think I was desensitized to that specific thing by my dad growing up. By him just randomly, yeah, dude. When he would just pull his own teeth, yeah. that shit, that shit fucked with me so bad. Uh, fair. <laughs> 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 Turns out the key to doing your own dental work is a uh, math addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Both necessitates and enables. Jesus, Jacobs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but holy <laughs> shit, dude. What <laughs> fuck's wrong with you? But uh, getting back to this plot line, <laughs> Trey uh, tells Hal, you know, come into my office on Monday and I'll take care of it. And uh, that's where uh, your opening line comes from, is Hal asks him, uh, uh, that's great. Do I need to bring my own Aether rag or do you supply one? <laughs> <laughs> Then uh, we see Hal uh, at Trey's office, uh, like in the dental chair, and he's 
talking about how amazing this place is. There was no lines or commercials, and they even have a real sink for him to spit in. He doesn't have to swallow everything. Oh, uh, eh. <laughs> and he's, he starts to cry, <laughs> which... Uh, when Trey asks him, are you crying? He says, they're good tears. <laughs> <laughs> and he asks, uh, so how how much longer do you think this will take? And Trey says, oh, I'm done. <laughs> and Al says, you can't be done. I didn't have to bite down on the pain stick yet. <laughs> and Trey, like, pats him on the shoulder and says, I think you'll be very happy with the results. And then it cuts to Hal at the, like, front desk being given a bill for $2,000 uh, by Trey's receptionist, who is played by Michaela Watkins, who would go on, like, a year after this. She was on SNL briefly, and then has been, like, a go-to for, like, uh, indie comedy, like, movies and sitcoms, uh, like, ever since. Uh, most notably for me, she was in the uh, show version of Wet Hot American Summer and Search Party, which are both uh, very weird comedies that i love <laughs> i've heard of both but watched neither fair i i think you would really like search park wet hot american summer could go either way <laughs> <laughs> it really leans into being stupid <laughs> to do a level that i don't know if you it's one of those things that like either you're going to love it or it's going to drive you crazy <laughs> that's fair <laughs> but uh search party would probably really like it's it's a weird show just because it switches the genre that it's, like, poking fun at every season and then sometimes also in the middle of the season. Like... <laughs> nice. It starts as, like, a parody of, like, uh, like, like true crime kind of story and then uh, ends as a zombie apocalypse parody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and in between, it's, like, a... Crime Gone Wrong comedy, a legal comedy, uh, a psychological horror with a separate B-plot comedy going on, and then becomes a supernatural horror, and then apocalyptic horror. It's a truly insane show that I highly recommend. Not enough people watched it. Okay. Huh. But uh, Hal is very upset to be handed this bill. As he says, uh, Trey said he would take care of it. Uh, we're friends. And the receptionist tells him, well, yeah, he gave you the friend discount of 10%. He was going to charge me more? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as they're having this conversation, uh, like another patient comes over and asks for the key to the bathroom. And Hal tells him, be careful, they might charge you $200 for a bathroom fee. <laughs> And, uh, like, outraged, he takes the uh, piece of paper that's been given to him and, like, tears it up and <laughs> says, uh, you can tell Trey this is what I think of his bill. <laughs> and she just, like, stares at him and says, that was your parking validation. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but could I get another one? <laughs> <laughs> it was a symbol. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> What's the symbology there? Then uh, we once again go to poker night and uh, Trey comes in late and he asks where he can put his coat. And Hal says, oh, I'll take care of that for you. And when he hands him his coat, Hal just like throws it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Trey asks, yeah, is this about your dental visit? 
And Hal says that wasn't a dental appointment. That was a mugging. <laughs> <laughs> and Trey says, you know, uh, he's surprised Hal even brought it up since he ran out on the bill. And uh, that, like, devolves into them just, like, trading insults as Hal calls him a con artist and Trey calls Hal a Welsher. Uh... Yeah, that, that has to be like an anti-Welsh racist thing, right? That just occurred to me. The that has to be the origin of I, it, yeah. Maybe? I mean, probably? I don't know. Yeah, it, it just occurred to me as I was saying it. Like <laughs> That that seems like an old-timey racist thing. Maybe? I don't know. Because um, it's not actually Welsher, it's Welcher. But I could see that being twisted from, like... Now the the, the subtitles the subtitles have it as well sure. Oh yeah, no the and the, I, I've definitely heard both. Yeah, it's definitely ah, I, dude, I'm gonna do a deep dive after the recording on this now because I'm actually very curious now. Right, fair. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, Abe like uh, intervenes, you know, asking them uh, what the problem is and. Uh, Hal says that, uh, you know, Trey offered to fix his tooth for free and then tried to give him a, a bill. And Trey says, whoa, I never said that I would fix it for free. And Hal says, what do you mean? You said, I'll take care of it. That means free. And uh, Trey says, you know, no, uh, take care of it means I would fix it, which I did. And Hal turns to the group and, you know, says, uh, we'll... We we all know that I'm right here, uh, or uh, we all know who's right here, right? And Abe says, yeah, it's obvious. And then everyone in unison says different names as half the group sides with Al and half sides with Trey. This argument has, like, uh, made its way out of the show, like, into the fandom, both nice. uh, on Tumblr and on the uh, Malcolm in the Middle subreddit. I've seen people, like, arguing, like, who is right here. Uh, that's funny, because I was just about to ask you who you sided with. I I, I could definitely see Hal's perspective. I can too, I, but I, I think Trey is right. Like, <laughs> I agree that Hal should have, like, paid him. But in the, like, context of if someone, like, fr using that exact phrasing said that, I would also assume that they meant for free. Yeah, no, I 100% I get that. I just... Because of, I guess, how I was raised and just who I am. Like, even if you, even if I assumed you intended, I'm still going to offer to pay what it actually, like, costs to have it done. So, but that's just who I am. But this uh, argument, like, starts to, uh, like, instantaneously, like, boil over as the group, like, uh, starts taking sides and, like, turning against each other. Like, based on this argument, as it sort of starts, uh, like, clearly turning into, like, bigger issues within the poker group. But Abe asks Malik to, like, intervene, uh, because he does mediation for law firms. And Malik agrees to, he, like, sits them both down and tells them, you know, okay, now actually listen to each other. And he, like, leans down and uh, says to Trey... No, uh, can't you see how the phrase I'll take care of it might lead someone to think that uh, you're going to do this for free? And he says, yeah, I, I guess I could see that interpretation. And he like leans over to Hal and says, uh, and Hal, uh, can't you uh, respect that Trey is a professional who 
went through years of medical school, which Abe, like Andrew Jackson says, yeah, then he quit to become a dentist, and they all laugh at him. <laughs> <laughs> and Blake, like, glares daggers at him, and Abe, like, looks down at his feet. <laughs> uh, and Hal says, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I can see that. And they both apologize and shake hands. Then Hal says, uh, thank you, Malika. How much do we owe you for that mediation? And Malik says, oh, nothing. We're friends. <laughs> and Hal jumps to his feet, <laughs> like, points in Trey's face and says, aha! <laughs> and the argument is back on. <laughs> uh... Uh, Trey says, you know, this is different. You came to me as a professional. I mean, how would you like it if someone made you go to their house and shuffle some papers around and play Tetris and make long-distance calls and then didn't pay you? <laughs> 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 and uh hal says that he doesn't want trey sending repo thugs after him so he reaches into his own mouth and pulls the crown off oh, <laughs> much God. to the horror of the poker game and me <laughs> and then hal promptly passes out from the pain <laughs> then at the dinner scene uh <laughs> hal is Swallowing his food whole, like cutting it into strips and then just swallowing it like a bird to avoid chewing. And Lois tells me, you you have to stop doing that. You can't eat without chewing. And Hal says, sure you can. You just have to relax your esophagus. Take notes, Jamie. (laughs) Then uh, Hal is like uh, at the mirror, like before bed, and Lois is telling him... Uh, you know, he clearly has an infection. He has to go see a dentist. And Hal says he has an appointment with Dr. Voorhees. And Lois asks, the doctor we took Dewey's hamster to? <laughs> Hal blows off saying, uh, you know, ah, so any doctor that's not on the social scene, you don't respect. <laughs> also, I just love using that name for a doctor. But Lois says he has to go back to trade. They'll figure out a way to come up with the money. But Hal refuses. And he says he's got it taken care of. He's not an idiot. Now hand me my uh, scream box. And Lois hands him a, like, detached cabinet with a hole for his head in it. Which he puts on, closes the doors, and starts, like, thrashing around as he screams. Which is fantastic he he definitely got that from dr Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> then we see another poker game this time a special afternoon poker game which abe thanks hal for hosting and hal says of course he he doesn't want to be the one to break up the game and he doesn't have anything to be ashamed of which of course sets trey off as he like, immediately snaps back, saying, what are you trying to imply? But uh, Abe, like, cuts them off and uh, tells them, you know, that they need to move past this. That, you know, they've always had their differences, but they've always been able to get past it. Uh, even the uh, Hidden Jack incident of 91, which <laughs> immediately starts another argument within the poker group. Uh, about this potential cheating incident <laughs> that they've clearly been hanging on to since 1991. But Abe, like, uh, once again, like, calms everyone down and says that, you know, he's sure that after today, everything will be resolved. And they play another hand, 
And Hal wins with a pair of twos. And as he's, like, raking in the winnings, uh, as everyone else has folded, uh, he says, you know, wow, I won again. I'm on a real lucky streak. Uh, and he, like, looks over at all his chips and says, I must have a $1,000 here. And then a look of realization, like, comes over him and he says, wait, show me your cards. And he, like, grabs uh, Malik's hand and, and like, forces his, his cards to be flipped over. And uh, he, like, shows everyone that Malik had a flush. And he says, you're letting me win. Which uh, Trey immediately is upset about saying, wait, they are? <laughs> well, everyone else just looks kind of uh, browbeaten. And Abe says, uh, you know, we're just trying to smooth things over for you. And, you know, make sure that this doesn't break the poker group apart. But Hal, uh, once again, like, refuses and, like, pushes the chips away, saying he doesn't want their money if he didn't really win it. He doesn't need their pity. That's real friendship right there. I'm only taking your money if I take it from you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't give it to me? God. <laughs> but Trey says, you know, he can't handle this. Uh, and he offers uh, explicitly to have Hal come back in and he'll put the crown back in for free. But Hal says, no, he's not a charity case and he doesn't want to alleviate Trey's guilt. Uh, Trey's the one who has to live with the real pain. <laughs> And he uh, grabs a cup of ice water and, like, pulls the, like, piece of cotton he's been, like, keeping in his mouth over his broken tooth, uh, like, out. And, like, slowly lifts the cup to his mouth as, like, the entire poker game, like, tries to talk him out of it. And he takes a sip and screams in pain and, like, falls onto his back convulsing in pain. <laughs> Which, this bothered me way more than removing the cap. I think just because I've, like, had the experience of drinking ice water with, like, a, a fucked up tooth. Oh, yeah, same. <laughs> then this episode ends <laughs> as the poker gang is pulled over by a cop who, like, walks over with a flashlight and, like, looks in the car. And they have Hal tied up and gagged in the back of this van. <laughs> And the cop asks them to explain what's going on here. And Abe explains that their friend needs dental help, but he refused to let them to help, so they tied him up. And the cop, like, looks in the back seat, sees Hal, who's, like, through his gag, asking for help, and just, like, turns back and says, Okay, drive safe, and walks away. And that ends this episode. And uh, Hal was never seen again. That's right. How'd you know? I thought, I thought you hadn't watched the rest of the show, David. But, uh, yeah. That, uh, just leaves our awards. I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> awards. And as usual, we will start with our Roller Skating Keen Award. Our award for the best visual moment. What did you have for this one, David? Man, there were so many good choices, but I finally just had to settle on Hal's screaming box because that was hilarious. And just like his body motions and everything when he's just like clearly screaming in pain, but it's all being contained by this little wooden box. I don't know. It was just very visually pleasing and hilarious to me. Uh, yes, absolutely. That, that was my first choice as well. Uh, but I will go with my backup, which is another Hal moment. And it's Hal swallowing his food hole. Oh, man. Ugh. <laughs> that probably gave me more even just sort of like 
skin crawly moments than the fucking pulling the tooth out. Okay. That it, it did not bother me. It was just so funny to watch him eating like a bird. Oh, it was super funny. Just weird. I Fair. hate it. Um, like, the tooth thing, I think, comes from, well, I know it does, comes from when I had to have a tooth pulled and they couldn't numb it. So, like, anytime they pull a tooth now in, uh, in like, TV and stuff, I can hear and feel the cracking and stuff again. Ah. Trauma. But, uh, yeah, no, this is just, it's weird. It makes my skin crawl. Ugh. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but moving on, what did you give your hot dog with mustard? Your award for the best line. Man, I fought over this one a lot. Because there's so many good ones. Like, Dewey has awesome ones. Reese has a really good one that I'm going to use. But I ended up not giving it that. I, I gave it to what I think was the most relatable line for me, which is uh, after the mattress falls out of the sky, and Dewey says, wow, we even have boring miracles. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that was my childhood summed up in a nutshell in one line. <laughs> uh, fair enough I did have that on my list but my first choice is a different Dewey line and it's you were happy Malcolm of course it was a dream <laughs> I, I also <laughs> had that one <laughs> uh, <laughs> god I love that line Then, uh, moving on which of these plot lines did you give the A plot of your heart Man, I again another one I went back and forth with. Uh, I ended up giving it to Hal and the the Dennis stuff, but Lois was a close second. But the Malcolm and Dewey plotline is also hilarious. Yeah, this is a really well rounded episode. I really like all of these lines. I do too. Uh, but I actually ended up going with the uh, Malcolm and Dewey mattress plotline. Uh, okay, uh, that's fair. That, uh, my my favorite moments, and again, is very relatable. <laughs> Dude, I knew for sure you were going to be like, ah, I know that feeling the minute this started playing. I mean, <laughs> hell, the minute they fell asleep on it, I started chuckling. I'm sure you noticed. Yeah. Wait, we got to lay on a mattress and not fall asleep? That's what they're for. I, yes. <laughs> I, I I don't know what you want from me, all right? <laughs> you're, you're talking to a guy who taught himself to sleep standing up so I could sleep through lunch in high school. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that's not normal. Well, that's what you say. <laughs> and everyone else I've ever talked to about it. But what do they know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who did you have as your top skate dog? Your favorite character of this episode? I did give it to Dewey because I loved his little one-liners and just sort of his like trying to snap Malcolm out of it. Uh, that tracks. I went with Malcolm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and uh, who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award? Your award for the best acting. Uh, so I had to give it to Brian Cranston, obviously. Um, it just, like, there was such good other, you know, like Justin Burfield did good. I even thought a uh, Frankie Muniz did awesome in this. Jane Kaczmarek had great spots, but I just, I cannot get over how good Hal is and, and how good Brian Cranston is at 
just the the physical comedy, the facial expressions, the the mock outrage. Like I just man, I love it. It makes me happy. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I, I strongly considered him, but I actually ended up going with Jane Kaczmarek instead. That is fair. Uh, mostly because, one, she does a really good job with what I assume is faking not knowing how to ride a bike. Although I guess maybe she just didn't know how to ride a bike, but... Maybe. There could be <laughs> other people like you. Oh, there definitely are. There are yeah. dozens of us, David. Dozens. Yeah, dozens. <laughs> I knew that's where we were going to go with this. <laughs> Uh, and then also just that scene where she snaps on Reese is also just fantastic. That's that's fair. Also, I know you said it's not a point of shame for you, but I mean, listen, I'd, I'd admit to being a never nude before admitting to not knowing how to ride a bike. Just saying. Okay. David, are you a never nude? <laughs> is that... uh, I am not. <laughs> uh, I'm unconvinced. <laughs> I mean, fair, I guess. But no, I'm... I'm not. Uh, well, who did you give your Mrs. Dabney award? Your award for the worst parent. Man, you know, I I had to think about that one a little bit. I ended up going with Lois. Uh-huh. Um, but not for the reasons you'd think. Okay. The almost killing Reese part, kind of understandable. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, the being so embarrassed that you let Reese have extra cake, which means he's then going to torment the rest of them and be all hopped up on sugar. Yeah, that's a crime you can't forgive. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I also went with Lois, but for <laughs> threatening the... to murder and almost shoving Reese's face in broken glass. <laughs> eh. <laughs> <laughs> eh. <laughs> wow. Look, sometimes you deserve shit. All I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, moving along. What did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment or detail that sets this episode firmly within its time of release. Uh, $2,000 for a crown being a lot of money. Like, without insurance now? <laughs> Fuck, you pay that with dental insurance now at most places. Fair. Uh, and then some. So, yeah, no, I that's that's 2008 shit. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, also my first choice once I realized the uh, mattress falling out of a plane story wasn't based on the news story I remembered. Right? That's funny uh, <laughs> that that's happened more than once. And frightening. It may have <laughs> happened before that, but I definitely found the news story that like I had read before. Right. And it was from, like, 2012. That's wild. Uh, but uh, my backup then was uh, much more a, like, general thing of being a teenager and walking around just complaining about being bored. Uh, which is most of what being a teenager was. Fair. <laughs> realistically. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, I do remember that. But you couldn't complain... Like, close to the house. Otherwise, you get the, I'll find you something to do. No, we don't want to work. We just want to not be bored. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't actually solve the boredom problem. <laughs> then you're yeah. just bored and working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But parents don't get it, man. Yeah, parents just don't understand. That's right. 
We don't we don't need no thought control. Uh, <laughs> now I just want to hear '90s Will Smith covering another brick in the wall. <laughs> oh, that would be pretty great. It would be. <laughs> he wouldn't do it because he would perceive it as encouraging kids to drop out of school. That's true. Yeah. Well, uh. That just leaves shittiest and least shitty kid. Uh, let's start with shittiest kid. Who did you have as your shittiest kid? Malcolm. I thought you might. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> of course I did. He knows who he is. He knows what he is and his potential. And he's wasting it away, sleeping away his life. Absolutely insane. Yep, yep, that's... It's about what I figured you would say. Uh, I went with Reese. Why? For helping his mom? Well, for blackmailing his mom. Ah. For whatever he's doing with these dead squirrels. Listen, they're all doing it with the dead squirrels. And I don't like okay, even but, thinking about but that. Malcolm and Dewey have grown past it. Reese hasn't. No, no. They haven't grown past it. They just think they're going to be too late and Reese has all the, quote, good parts well after they were still bored but that before that they walked away from it david mm, that's growth no and reese doesn't show any growth no and no. He, he and he tries to get lois to give up on her dreams yeah exactly and he smashes into her uh-huh Shittiest kid. he smashes into her to try to help her so ah uh, oh, okay just because you can justify your actions, David, oh, doesn't really? mean... I, I knew. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Uh, also, Jake, that's literally all you do is justify. I mean, yeah, that's what this entire segment is, David. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, Don't uh, get on your high horse with me. Uh, speaking of uh, justifying shitty actions, I had Malcolm as least shitty kid this episode. Wow. <laughs> because what's wrong with having a dream of just, you know, sleeping through life? That doesn't sound so bad. Yeah. <laughs> sounds pretty good. No, it sounds horrible. Uh, You're wasting your potential. Meh. No. No, meh. He's You're gonna leave his mark on the world, away. David. That's fine. No he's, no, he's not. And the memory coils. Yeah, it, it, as a fucking literal shit stain no i'm sorry as a human corpse yeah yeah exactly uh-huh yeah it's not so bad that's that's like that's that's neutral it's not so it's, good it's not good it's not bad it's just neutral wow <laughs> and with these kids neutral pretty good goal you're the worst. <laughs> and you know you're the worst. <laughs> you know you're wrong, but you just want to sleep. I hate this. Who did you have as least shitty kid then, David? Uh, Dewey. Gaslighter Dewey? No. Dewey, who realized the problem with the freaking sloth that had overtaken them because of this mattress and broke its evil enchantment on Malcolm. Yeah, by gaslighting it. Shitty no. kid. Shitty kid. No. He was helping his brother and also trying to make him be a responsible adult, which, good God, Malcolm needs a ton of help to be. So, 
Like, I'm just saying, David, since when is Sloth a sin? Literally one of the seven <laughs> deadly sins. <laughs> since a long time ago, Jake. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I knew this was going to be one that we yelled at each other about the minute this episode started. Uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> I instantaneously knew your shittiest and least shitty kid. I was Dewey growing up, and you were Malcolm. 100%. God. And Ryan was kind of like Reese, because he'd have been off lighting something on fire. Yeah, poking a dead squirrel. Yeah, yeah. that too. That, that yeah. tracks. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good thing you didn't tell us about your squirrel phobia until much later in life. There's a reason for that, David. <laughs> That's fair, Jake. We would have we would have fucked with you. I know. Yeah, we would have caught squirrels. I know. One of us probably would have got rabies. Probably. It probably would have been Ryan. Probably. Man, why didn't you tell us sooner, Jake? No, I can't say that. I enjoy my niece and nephew too much. <laughs> uh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> David, that joke you didn't say, too dark. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want you to edit it out now. <laughs> okay, well, that wraps up our awards, but we have a couple of segments left. Beginning with... WTF, F, where the fuck's Francis? And this week, uh, picking up where you left off last week, David, where you misinterpreted his actions. No, I wasn't uh, misinterpreted. Uh, Francis is finishing up his completely innocent road trip to catch up with old friends. Uh-huh. That you have misinterpreted as some sort of quest for revenge against the people who have wronged him. Is uh, re reaching its uh, you know, last leg as he is meeting up with Cadet Eric for a nice, peaceful, murder and revenge-free lunch. Because Francis is not a monster. He's a regular guy. Despite what uh, you and Eric have the spread about our guy Francis. I don't think he's going to kill him. Yeah. He's just going to get revenge yeah. for the wrongs. No. Yeah. He'll probably like leave Cadet Eric with the bill or something. Well, obviously. Yeah, I don't think That's he's a monster. I don't think he's a monster. I think he's going to do shit like that. Like, you know, he might leave like burning dog shit on uh, Spangler's porch or something or, you know. Mm. This is, that sounded a lot more sinister when you were talking about it last week. I'm just saying. Well, that was the intention. Uh-huh. Yeah. I said, between you and Eric, I feel like we need to... I, listen, I was not, at least intentionally, uh, accusing him of murder. I was uh, leaving you know, it open. Not directly. Yeah, yeah. You were just having an implication for Eric to pick up on. That's what I'm trying to it's cut off here, David. Exactly, Jay. I've had enough. <laughs> 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 I wanted to see where Eric would take it and then cuz I forgot that there was an episode in between cuz I thought Eric was going to be on the next episode. So when I did that I was like, man, I want to see where he's going to go and then when he makes it wild and crazy, I could be like, "Whoa, whoa, that's not what I meant." 
Well, too bad. I'm nipping it in the bud, David. <laughs> well, whoa, whoa. That's not what I meant. You, you can't just give Eric a layup like that, David. It's unacceptable. Eh. <laughs> he does enough damage on his own. Yeah, but that's fine. I'll throw in enough three-pointers. It'll be fine. Uh, well, uh, next up we have the Cranston Connection, as we have determined that in some form or fashion, all characters played by Brian Cranston, including the real-life actor Brian Cranston, are the same character. So, David, what is this week's Cranston Connection? Well, so this Cranston Connection is actually one that we've seen surface a couple times, but what we actually get here is because of our other... Cranston connections we see the real reason as to why Hal is insanely jealous of Trey and uh starts this feud it actually has nothing to do with the uh amount so much as it is is how successful Trey is and how good he is at being a dentist because as we all know Hal spent some time as Tim Watley um and ran his own dental clinic however he wasn't actually licensed um and had to rely on basically whatever he could make up at the time and a whole lot of laughing gas um which poor jerry seinfeld but uh as such now seeing trey actually have the skills and the successful office and and multiple patients and how much he's able to charge threw him into a jealous rage which let that inner demon part of him start to come out in this ego and jealousy-filled rave, which is why he continued to allow himself to experience the physical pain and refuse to forgive Trey. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, that tracks. Yep. That makes sense. Trey's lucky he didn't put, like, an ancient curse on him or something. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but that just leaves David's guessing game, uh, which you did really well on this time. Yeah. Uh, you said that uh, Hal would go to his uh, dentist friend in the poker crew to get a tooth fixed, which is exactly what happened, and that there would be some sort of issue between them based on that uh, dental appointment that you thought would uh, cause some fraying of the friendship and awkwardness at the poker nights, uh, but that it wouldn't end up ending the friendship, which is all correct. And you're also correct in that there was no France in. I would have given you a 100%, except... That you specifically stated that you did not think the issue between them would be Hal assuming that it was free. You didn't think that he would do that. I didn't. I did not see that coming. Yeah, the conflict was not what I thought would happen. And so I knocked off a few points for that, but you still got a 95%. Okay. And what do you think happens next week in Bomb Shelter? Bomb Shelter. I wonder, is it an actual bomb shelter? Do they find out that the school is a bomb shelter? Really depends on, do I think they're going for the old California or old Oklahoma thing? Because if, if they live in Oklahoma, it's a bomb shelter that they, like, find in their backyard. If it's California, they find the, like, secret bomb shelter under the school. Okay, well, what are you going with, David? I don't know, I'm going to flip a coin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Heads is Oklahoma, tails is California. All right. So we're going with Oklahoma. Okay. So we're going with they find an old bunker, probably in the backyard, and then probably spend like the whole episode trying to get into it and like figure out what it is and you know what I mean? 
And then I imagine they'll probably open it by the end of the episode, but it'll probably be like something lame or it'll be like the like Hal falls into it, you know, after like hours of trying to do stuff to get the door open. He like steps a little bit off to the side and like falls through it. And then we are just left with like an injured Hal lying in the bunker. <laughs> okay. As the end of that plot line. Okay, then. And do you think there will be Francis? How many have I guessed? Uh, no. No Francis. Okay. Sorry, I don't... See, again, I have a pattern. Allegedly. Well, my pattern's fucked up because I didn't have my notes the one time. <laughs> but I'm keeping track since that time. <laughs> since last week? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, was that really last week? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that feels because, like two, you, three weeks You were thrown ago. off because uh, of being sick for the two weeks is why you couldn't remember the pattern. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was what messed up the pattern, but dude, that recording session does not feel like it was a week ago. Okay. My well, new job was... has me so fucked up. Ugh. That's fair. You've been working a lot. A lot, dude. Okay, well, that wraps this episode up. Thank you for listening. As always, thanks and credit to Jacob Newfeld, who does our intro and outro music. You can find links to more of his music in the episode descriptions. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. If you enjoy the banter back and forth here, want to catch us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we stream video games, interact with chat, and in general, have a good time. And as always, remember that life is unfair. Especially if you live with Jake. I got there uh, soon enough to take a... Uh, uh, uh yes jake the the fuck are those pamphlets called uh <laughs> a program yes <laughs>